had no life in me. I turned around, went back to my room to go and lie back down, but I saw myself lying in my bed. And this, this is, I was petrified. And instantly I went back to my body. I jolted up and then a demonic presence covered itself over me. And that's where I experienced the essence of hopelessness. And what I experienced was the wages of sin, which was death. And I was in death. There was no life in me. Hello again, friends, and welcome to the show. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. Friends, Disciple of City exists to equip churches, ministries, and organizations with simple tools to share the gospel and help people become disciple-making disciples. And we love to partner with other ministries, and one of those is the United Hive. The United Hive is a free app where you can post testimonies of prayers, salvations, baptisms, and encouragement, and deliverance, and is used all over the world to help encourage one another on the sharing of the gospel. Download the United Hive app today. Friends, also a special hello and thank you to our listeners in Saskatoon and Council Bluffs USA, and also our friends in Australia. And speaking of Australia, my guest today is from Frankston, a suburb of Melbourne. He is a recording artist and giving up his time to a ministry called Street Peace. Please welcome Ash Schofield. Hey, my friend. Good to man. How you doing, bro? I'm going really well, man. It's uh, it's good to be with you. It's good to uh, spend some time with you today. Well, my daytime, your evening, eh? Yeah, you've uh, you've jumped back into the past. I'm I'm bouncing forward into the future, and we're connected. <laughs> back into the past, I like it. Yeah, you're on a Monday, on a Tuesday, but yet we live on the same day. Amen. Amen. How was my pronunciation of Melbourne? I'm trying to do it properly. Melbourne. Is that good? What do you guys say? Melbourne. Melbourne. Well, it's Melbourne. spelled Melbourne, but I know it's Melbourne. Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> I've done my fair share with uh, living with a lot of Canadians over my time, a lot of Kiwis, Canadians. So it's uh, been a good practice run for them, learning the, the lingo. I think that's where I got my A from. I say A a lot. I think that's because of you guys. Well, and now at least Adam and I have adopted your guys. Hey, you guys wouldn't say that. Not the way you guys do it. Where we say a, y'all say hey. <laughs> uh, no, I'm with you guys. Then I think uh, I definitely just say a. <laughs> You've adopted that totally and embraced it now. Right. I'm a, I'm a mix. I'm a mix of a kiwi. Canadian, American, um, Australian, and just uh, some, someone specifically asked me a few years back, are you from Texas? I'm like, no. <laughs> you don't sound like no. you're from Texas at all. No, and this was in Frankston. <laughs> I'm like, I'm 10 minutes that way, man. It's quite funny. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's good to see you again. It's been good. Uh, you know, chatting a couple times to set this up and uh, glad we could finally make it work because there is a huge time difference here. So that's one thing I'm, uh, I'm actually feeling pretty good. I should be tired as, cause like I was saying, we're just back from the West coast from a, a ministry event and just flew back in yeah, last yeah. night. But, um, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. 
couple couple Tim Hortons and I'm, you know, back to normal. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Ash, man, so many things I want to talk to you about, but um, after seeing a video on YouTube uh, that some friends of yours put together and uh, hearing a a brief testimony of yours, it really just... uh, yeah, it just really spoke to my heart, man, and I wanted to reach back out to you. I mean, we've sort of messaged each other periodically, but I really wanted to reach out to you and get you on here. So, man, can you share uh, share your testimony with us? And like starting off when you were when you were young. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, first of all, I, I really do appreciate you, man. I appreciate your humility to seek so many young guys stories men and women all across the world to to just give glory to god man because he's truly done a work in in my life but also so many others around so it's good what you're doing man capturing people's hearts and it's a it's a joy to be here um so yeah man like sometimes i i get stuck as to where to begin on reflecting on my life and how god swooped me up but I guess I'll, I'll begin by saying that uh, I grew up in uh, I grew up in the Catholic Church with my nonna and my pa coming over from Italy uh, when they were young, probably in their uh, early thirties, and they had four children. So having that Italian culture and Italian background going to church was a pretty normal thing for me as a young kid. So the knowledge of God and the knowledge of Jesus and the story that consisted of him being born a virgin, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, it was a familiar story that was common to me. So we'd go to church and I was a, you know, I was an altar boy. Uh, I served in the church on the on the on the weekends, uh, and I respected the the position that I had. I took it quite seriously. I didn't mock the role. Like I believed in this God. But one of the earliest memories that I had was probably when I was four or five, looking at the priest and thinking, "Well, is this the?" Is this him? Like just the innocence of a child wondering what all this is about. What are we doing here? So it was something that was deeply rooted in my heart from a young age. But in saying that, the mentality that I had was that God was a distant thing for when we die. So we're going to live life here today. God's not here, but rather one day God will be a reality for us later. Uh, And I was so uh, ignorant to think that just everyone believed in Jesus. This is Jesus. Everyone just believes in him. I had no vocabulary for an atheist or someone to oppose God because I wasn't exposed to anybody denying Jesus. So as time went on, um, you know, my, my, I live with, uh, I lived with my, my mom and my brother and my dad. 
And, you know, I'm convinced, man, with great respect to my parents who I love dearly uh, and my brother and my extended family, like I really do believe that we're all broken and all in deep need until we truly meet the one who created us. Mm. I really do believe that. So it's not in a in a disrespect to say that my family um, was very broken, but every family's broken until we meet Jesus. Um, so in saying that, it was a, a bit of a um, a dysfunctional home at times. And as a young boy, I was in deep need of discipline, um, of correction, of guidance. Um, of love ultimately. And it's not to say that I, I didn't have a loving family yet. There were just areas that caused me to um, meet needs in the wrong way. And I'd find myself getting into a lot of trouble. I became very arrogant, very disrespectful, very prideful in areas of uh, my attitude towards my uh, my mom and my dad and our people at school. So I found myself getting into a lot of trouble. And long story short, I, I got expelled from school when I was uh, probably 15 or 16 and started hanging out with a lot of uh, toxic individuals that were also broken who introduced us to, to a fair, uh, fair amount of drugs and we began to party and party with uh, some bikies and things got really dangerous uh, all by the age of 16, 17. So we real I realized just before my 18th birthday, uh, because I, I had began working full time on a vegetable farm, I'd be making money and working really hard. But yet the cycle just began of addiction and, uh, and this is all this is all at 15 well this is all uh, or like the- probably 16 and 17 this is it's all cramped into two years yeah. of chaos really so and did you stay like when you got expelled did you stay out of school and just did this and worked and and all what you're telling us right now yeah so i got kicked out of school and i didn't i remember when when the vice principal cleared out my locker uh, the the sad thing is that it's not that I'm a victim to it. There just wasn't any guidance or like I'm a, I'm a young, immature kid that is in deep need here. So the school uh, didn't really guide me into anything else. They just said, nah, we can't handle you, pack your bag. And then just I just left. So I remember just walking out the school gate and I actually started crying because I realized the severity of what, actually took place and I called my boss because I was working on the vegetable farm just on the weekends at that point. And I said, Hey, like, I want to come work. Like, let's, let's go. And he took me on and yeah, I began working full time from the age of 16, uh, which was a blessing in disguise because my old boss, he used to say, man, if it wasn't for him, I'd be either dead or in jail. And it's, it's quite interesting because you know, I remember we were at some house party this one time and it was on a Friday night and the cops raided the house because there was some things going on. So the cops are barging in. So we barricaded 
this door behind a um in someone's wardrobe or something and my friend pulled out a, a pipe with some ice in the, in the pipe and he starts smoking it and he handed it to me and i looked down and i realized well i've got work in the morning and i know that this thing keeps you up all night so the only reason why i didn't do it was because i had to work and seeing the nature of um the addictive patterns that i had with um with marijuana and ecstasy and mdma and um, some other drugs in between. Um, I became very addicted very quick. And sadly, one turned into three and three turned into eight and almost overdosed three or four times um, from the drug habits that I picked up because it was my coping mechanism. It was my friend. It was my um, source of emotion and connection because these drugs would stimulate my mind in um, giving me the ability to connect with people because when I wasn't high, I was very insecure, very anxious, very uh, withdrawn from people because uh, I didn't actually know how to uh, attach myself to people in a healthy way of uh, receiving and giving life in a healthy context. Uh, So yeah, this was all between ages 16, 17. And I told myself when I was 18, no more drugs. Like, this is bad. Like, this is getting out of hand. My mental health started to decline. And I started to experience uh, all these spiritual realities, which began to freak me out because some doctors would describe it as a psychosis. Yet, you know, I'm 27 years old now and reflecting back on my life, I now realize that the root word for, um, it's where we get the word pharmacy from the, the, the root word of sorcery is pharmacaea. And that's where we get pharmacy from pharmaceuticals and all these drugs that I was partaking in. I realize now that I was engaging in the heart and essence of sorcery where these demons began to, um, attach themselves to me and speak to me, try to get me to take my life. I would have out-of-body experiences where um, when I would leave my body, I'd enter back in and feel the complete essence of hopelessness and despair. And it crippled me with fear where the, the devil convinced me that this was life. And if it was almost, it was almost a position where I was completely helpless because the lie that I believed that this was going to be for the remainder of my existence. And I was only 19 when I had that experience. Um, So the drugs really took grip on my mental health and I plummeted really bad, really bad because I didn't stop at 17. If anything, when we got introduced to the clubs, the drugs increased drastically and I was doing a lot of hip hop back then. So chasing stages, chasing crowds, uh, rapping in the clubs, rapping at the casinos. So now we're surrounded by really dangerous people giving you even more harmful drugs. And the spirit realm just opened up to me. And I realized that the devil was real because I'm experiencing darkness. Um, It was prevalent every day. Uh, I was hearing voices. I was uh, smelling the demonic. 
Um, sometimes you'll hear stories of people saying that they can smell the demons. And that was something that was so consistent in my day to day where I would be so distraught because I was um, not sane. I was not present. I was not um, at rest. And I would turn to my mom and I'd say, mom, can you smell it? Can you, sm-? like I was, this is me very distressed. I would turn to my nonna and I wouldn't believe them when they, when they said, we can't smell anything, like stop asking because it got to a point where I became very obsessed with uh, fear. Ultimately it controlled my life. Um, were they, uh, were they aware? Was your family aware of how deep you were? gone into this like were you did you, were you still living at home and if so how aware were they of the magnitude of where you were going i think you know i would leave on the because i'd still work full time and i wouldn't take drugs at work but every night i'd be smoking weed and i think my mom was um aware i know she was aware that i, I was smoking weed probably not to the extent because i would hide it um but, uh, but Um, I think, you know, I got caught a few times taking some harder drugs, but, um, I really don't know if my, my family knew the extent at which I was using, um, but it must've changed your behavior, like around the house and your interactions with them. Right. Cause it just messes you up so much. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I couldn't look people in the eyes. I was, um, very secretive. I was very withdrawn. I would not connect with my family at all. Uh, I was very anxious, very, um, I was living a hidden life. And the thing that I found help in was, was the weed. It was the cycle of addiction that really did cripple me. So I was very disconnected from my family at this time, which is quite sad because it grieves me because my actions impact those around me as well. Like I, I, I didn't demonstrate love very well to my brother, didn't demonstrate love to um, anyone really, to be honest, man. I was just seeking after things that could make me feel something. And it, it's counter, counter um, what's the word? It's, it goes against my character as a young kid because I can recognize from talking to um, trusted people that, you know, I was a kind little boy. I was considerate. I, you know, I was uh, generous. I was um, uh, thoughtful of others. But then, you know, sin just corrupts you. It corrupted me in a way that completely distorted my character. And I look back now and realize that I needed discipline. I needed some love that would correct me in my ways. Um, but I can, I'm sure I can share how I met Jesus amidst all this, but well, yeah, like talking a lot. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's go there because, uh, you said earlier you're 27 and just even at the beginning of talking about this and reflecting back for a 27 year old man, you have a lot of wisdom on what a child needs, all the things you talked about discipline. So what was the, what was the turning point for you? When, how did you, how did you encounter Jesus in a magnitude where it was, you know, outside of, you know, the normal, I don't want to say religion like a bad way, but you know what I mean? How did you, how did you, uh, encounter Jesus in such a tangible way that it helped you? Yeah, absolutely, man. 
uh, we see, you know, I've done a lot of reflecting on my life and where I've been and the times that God revealed himself, you know, and I think it's true of everyone that God never leaves anyone. And when you truly meet him, he unfolds your life and you, you begin to realize that he was there from the beginning. Uh, so for, for myself, I can recognize that when I was 17 years old, I was coming down off a lot of drugs and because I was experiencing so much darkness, my heart was not closed off to God. And I didn't openly make a decision like I'm going to start exploring the reality of God or who he is. But the, the seed was deep in me, you know, but I'd go to church. I'd go to the Catholic church with my friend and my mom on Easter, go to the Easter mass and then that that night I'd go out and do drugs with my friends. Like I had no conviction of sin or no conviction of uh, doing right or wrong. But yet, because God loves us so much, um, I realize now that he was just wooing my heart. He was drawing me in. And I remember this one night when I was 17, as I said, I was coming down off a lot of drugs and I had a vision of uh, Jesus, and I, I, you, know, you know when you know it's him, and he approached me. Uh, he didn't say anything. He didn't have any facial features. He was just illuminating white, and he had his arms wide open. And I thought I was tripping on drugs. I thought I was just tripping, and I told the boys, I just seen Jesus, man. Like, this is whack. Like, I am losing the plot. Um, and I didn't think, I didn't think much of it, man, but the seed of God marked me and I began praying to God, like subconsciously for the next two years, I'd find myself on the back of the vegetable harvester because it was a potato farm. And I'd found myself, I found myself saying this phrase, father, forgive me constantly, father, forgive me. Father, forgive me. Father, forgive me. I don't even know why I'm saying it. I really, I did not know why I was saying it. So I began communing with God because the the demons were so real. And I said that if the darkness is real, the light must be real also. And I found myself, you know, going about my business, going to the clubs, going to the casino, um, because that's where I'd rap. And, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd begin to see different signs from you know, I remember leaving my weed at this corner shop this one night, forgot it, got home, and I'd get back and someone had replaced it with a Bible, you know, and I'd be like, this is fascinating. Pretty annoyed that my weed's gone, but look, there's a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I'd take the Bible home, and that was the first Bible I ever got given, really, um, by some angel, really. I don't know, some some gentleman, I don't know who it was, man, but God, really. His, and he was just pulling me in, all these signs, street performers that looked like angels because I'd have all these dreams. and um, But I thought I was going crazy. Um, and all these these little tokens I'd find on the ground that pointed towards God. Um, so I became, I became fascinated by the reality of who this Jesus was. And I remember walking into this DVD shop when I was probably about 18, 19. 
and I found the DVD that said the Bible. It's like, what is this? This is crazy. The Bible. Okay. So I'd go home. You know, I'd still be smoking a lot of weed and still in that cycle, but I but I turned it on. And man, I could tell you that the stories, it began with the story of Abraham and Moses and Daniel and David, and then into the story of Jesus. And I can tell you with all my heart, man, I was captivated. I was captivated by the story. I was captivated by the visuals. Um, I, I began to fall in love with this person of Jesus. And I remember, you know, time went on and the demonic became more intense in my life. And I remember I, I, as, I, as you leaned towards Jesus, the demonic yeah. became more intense. Yes, absolutely. That's why this is where, well, this is where I had the out of body experience. Um, and I understand what it is now, but I unintentionally engaged in witchcraft where the enemy took me out of my body and I began to walk into my living room. And I had no life in me. I turned around, went back to my room to go and lie back down. But I saw myself lying in my bed. And this this is, I was petrified. And oh, instantly I went back to my body. I jolted up. And then a demonic presence covered itself over me. And that's where I experienced the essence of hopelessness. And what I experienced was the wages of sin, which was death. And I was in death. There was no life in me. And I was, I was, I wouldn't say that I was suicidal, man. It's not that I wanted to take my life, but yet the devil was trying to kill me (laughs) just to be straight up. Um, So he began to plant seeds of suicidation to give up. And uh, it's better to just not be here. Um, And I found myself continuing to go to the clubs and that. And I was in a hotel room. One of the episodes in the Bible TV series was of the prophet Daniel. And just before he got thrown into the lion's den, he refused to turn away from God and he was found praying. And when when he was praying, he put this covering over his head and he was doing his daily prayers, if you will. And I saw that visual and it must have marked me because I found myself in a hotel room all by myself. And that's where I cried out to God, man. It was the the most sincere and earnest cry to God. And I put I went into the bathroom. I grabbed a towel, I put it over my head because I didn't know how to pray. I just knew the Lord's prayer, like our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the only way that I ever got taught pray, to pray. But I got on my knees. And I cried out to God with this ridiculous towel on my head. (laughs) (laughs) I said, God, if you are real, I need you. Uh, I I need your help. Please help me. And I realize now that that's, that's where grace entered into my very being. And he gave me the ability to move forward, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit, the Bible says. And I realize now that if you seek God with all your heart, you'll find him. And I ran after him. I cried out to him and I moved forward. And quite ironically, um, 
you know, that, that very night that I cried out to God, this, this dude that was on a lot of drugs and just got out of jail, tried to, tried to take my life, tried to kill me. And I was petrified. I looked this guy in the face and I was like, bro, you're scaring me right now. And praise God that some other guys intervened and this guy just wasn't straight and some gang related stuff was taking place at the casino. And I just made some enemies and I know I knew I needed to get out of this situation. And I remember leaving by myself and I met this gentleman who knew my name, knew everything that I needed to hear. And he told me what to do. Um, this was a guy in uniform that worked at the casino, just an old man. Uh, I think his name was Antonio. That's what the little badge said, but it uh, really marked my heart because uh, my nonna's name is Antonia and my pa's name is Angelo. And he looks me in the face and tells me where to go. And I walk up the escalator and he puts his, this is a weird encounter, bro, with an old man. And he looks back up and he puts a peace sign. Wow. He puts a peace sign up. And then I'm just mesmerized by this dude. But I was at complete peace. Like I wasn't scared. I wasn't, um, uh, I went from complete, a complete moment of being petrified to being at complete peace from this gentleman that, um, sowed a deep seed. I never went back to the casino from that day forward. And yeah, long, long story short, man, I ended up meeting someone that invited me to a church. I walked up to the church. I was like, man, this ain't a church. This is a building with a cross on a wall. Like I had no grid for, um, like the only grid that I had was for Catholicism, like the stained glass windows, a priest, yeah. mass. I had no grid for worship or, and you know, when I found out that people read the Bible, I was like, you read the Bible? <laughs> really? <laughs> right. Like it was, it was crazy, man. Um, but I heard the gospel. I heard the gospel and became even more so captivated. I did the th- this thing called the Alpha Course, and I was, I was still in an unhealthy place, still on some drugs, but yeah. Yeah, I was uh, going to ask you, bro, did you get set free of that, or were you still, were you still like? Well, the the irony is, bro. Like, when did you uh, get set free of the drugs? When did he set you free? Well, the the irony is for myself, man. Was uh, the person that I actually met was a girl. And, you know, for seven months, bro, for seven months, you know, because I was in the hip hop scene and a lot of people were, would come up to you and message you online. I didn't really trust anyone. Didn't really have close friends. I was a very lonely uh, young dude. And this one girl that ended up messaging me, um, we ended up relating on the common interest of Jesus. I don't know how we got on that conversation, but she's like, oh, let's meet up. So like, why does this want to meet up? This is weird, but we did. And she was coming off drugs too. She didn't want to um, go back into the scene that she was in. And man, it's quite interesting because for about seven months, um, you know, she'd come over to my house and because we'd hang over and hang out in our bedroom or my bedroom, um, She'd just sit on my bed and I'd sit at my desk. This one day she had um, somewhat of a psychotic episode where she froze and I didn't know if I should call an ambulance or something. Uh, So I went and sat next to her and she ended up, look, she ended up like 
pulling me in for like a, just a cuddle or whatever. And I was like, Oh, what are we doing? Shouldn't be doing this, but it's weird, but I kind of like it. And man, for seven months, we literally just held each other in bed for, um, for a consistent amount of time. And I now realize looking back that she became my drug, the affection that she poured out to me in remembering that I was crippled by fear. I hadn't had physical contact with people in, in just a general sense of a hug because I'd push people away. So I turned to drugs to get my fix, but then be completely unbalanced so now when i met this girl we're holding each other i got off the ecstasy i got off the mdma but why i got off it because she became my new ecstasy she became the affection that i that i so longingly desired um which is quite interesting i still smoked a bit of weed but it was the as time went on unfortunately we ended up slipping into sin and but in my heart, I was like, I'm going to marry this girl. I'm not trying to justify it. It wasn't healthy and it wasn't good, but I was very immature. I was very insecure. Um, and it was an unhealthy way of attaching with this girl. Uh, and we reconciled moving forward as we got help and got what we needed. But yet, because we were going to this church, we actually did this alpha course together. Uh, have you heard of alpha before? Oh, yeah. it's That's all over the world, man. That's great. It's awesome. Yeah. Love Alpha Man. Those guys are amazing. Yeah. So I did I did the Alpha course because I'm still wanting Jesus. I want him with all that I am. So I did the Alpha course and 10 weeks in, completely enamored, captivated by the story of Jesus. And I remembering that I had no concept of encounter. I had no idea of the magnitude of the person of the Holy spirit. I had no clue of what he was capable of in the interaction of my being and my soul and his healing power, or I had no idea. I'd never seen anybody encounter God, but yeah, the beautiful thing was that, you know, on the last week of the alpha course, uh, we were calling out to God and we were worshiping together and I remember singing to the Lord, I surrender, I surrender Jesus. And it was in such an innocent moment that the Lord came and placed his hand on my chest. And I got filled with the Holy Spirit, man, from head, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And if I, if I tell you that I experienced love, I experienced pure love yeah. from him. And it was as if people could perceive that, you know, if people are encountering God, but this beautiful man named Steve just stood back and he he saw that I was encountering God and he came and caught me. Praise God. But <laughs> I wept, man. I wept. Yeah. I, I wept like nothing else. I was a brand new baby. And, you know, praise be to God that the loving heart of a father knows what we need. And he ended that relationship with this girl. It was the day that I got filled with the Holy Spirit that that relationship ended. And I ran after God, man. So God took away the the, the ecstasy and all that. It's funny. I slipped up one time. I got tempted 
because um, I was hanging out with my old friends and how many of us know that bad company corrupts good character. And so I got, I slipped up. Everyone else was getting high from this batch, man. But praise God that the same batch that I took, I fell into darkness, complete numbness, darkness. And I believe that that was God protecting me. And I never went back because I slipped into a really repentive state. It's like, God, I'm so sorry. I, I do not want to do that anymore. Um, and I, I smoked weed a few times, but every time I smoked it, I was grieved. It wasn't like a condemning, I shouldn't have done it, but it's like, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I don't want to go back to my old ways. I remember going up to my pastor this one day. I was like, Pastor Mike, I, I smoked weed. I was, it was so, I was just so sad. And he just, he just loved me. He's like, it's okay. It's fine, man. <laughs> you loved me. <laughs> I was beating myself up, but he just loved me. And yeah, man, I got connected into healthy family, healthy community. Um, and I just began to heal and grow and learn what it looks like to be a son, son of his father. You know, and then that's seven years of glory in between, uh, but also a challenge and hardship and pain and uh, all of what comes with the journey of pursuing God. So, yeah. yeah. And I can imagine, I can imagine, dude, if you were in the clubs and, and doing rap of, of what kind of music, because music comes from typically the place where we're living, right? And so you have all this, these encounters and, uh, like, am I hearing this? You start creating stuff like this. Gosh, I'm trying to remember where I made this. I don't even know where you got that from. Dude. Dude, I'm all about hard rock and stuff, but I was checking this out today, man, and it's just like, wow, man, this is just soothing, and I feel it in my soul, bro. Yeah, it was. Man, I don't know. Where, where did you get this from? <laughs> oh. I know I've, I know that's uh, it's very familiar. I've made it somewhere, but... <laughs> you you did, yeah. It's it's not, but that that's the... Um, that's just some stuff I guess you were working on, right? I'm perplexed. <laughs> Our Todd Cats. Yes, that definitely are, is. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, we have a big yeah. Todd Cast research team, man, and when we're going to have a guest, we dig deep, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh. Yeah, that's really good. So that's on your Instagram, man. I just dug deep oh, in your Instagram. True. Yeah, and yeah, there's a bunch true, of true. there's a bunch of clips of you just just creating these instrumentals with the keys and laying tracks down and putting stuff on top and it's just like you're just flowing yeah, in your yeah. spirit hey um, yeah i haven't done it for a while man it's been it's been a minute life has just been a little bit crazy but definitely creating stuff is it's, uh, it's special because you know our father's a creator made us in his image i think we're we're all called to create eh? yeah hmm. um Dude, what about you, uh, you, you made an album, you recorded in an album. It's on Spotify in 2022. 
Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Me and my me and my good friend and brother, Geordie Mary. Um, he's a dear friend of mine. I love him. He uh, he inspired me, not only in the music, but just in what it means to have fun and be a uh, a sincere friend and to love well and to live pure. And, um, yes, I made that record with 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 him. And you're singing this now. Bro, it gives me goosebumps or god bumps like I heard this weekend god from bumps. some people. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met Jordy? I was he at Jesus School? Um not that one, I don't think, no. No. Not yet. Then. Anyway. But dude, tell me about this. Tell me about this, writing this. Like, um, obviously, like creativity and music is in your heart. And then you come to faith and you chase after God. And he's like, yeah, you were singing whatever rap and you were doing in the clubs. It's like, no, I created you to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually put all the hip hop on the shelf when I came to the Lord, man. Like, I just, I just wanted him. I just kind of just gathered the hip hop, just gathered dust and you know i created a few things got inspired to get back into it but then um geordie and some friends all across australia came together um with this uh, musical uh, group called Ch- the children of inheritance where we went away for um i think we went away for a few weeks and we all wrote worship songs together and then the next week we recorded it and then we ended up traveling around Australia preaching the gospel and uh, sharing these songs with different communities. Uh, so that's where I met Geordie. And then fast forward a few years later, Geordie uh, encouraged me, said, bro, we've got to write a record. We've got to do something together. And all all the doors just seemed to open and we went away for a month. I went and stayed with him and his uh, beautiful wife, Aubrey. And we literally would just do life together, have meals together, have fun together. And in between, we were intentional around writing um, an album, whether it's five songs or 10 songs, whatever whatever we could do in that month, um, was that's what it was going to be. So I literally had so much stories to tell from what I had experienced and where I'd been and um, what God had done in my life. So we just came together and Geordie was on the, uh, in the driver's seat producing and yeah, we just came together and I wrote and he would help me with some melodies and even some lyrics for the, the choruses. They just melded together in, um, into what I was trying to say with the hip hop stuff and yeah, the, the product is what it is, man. And, you know, Jordy blessed me with some money to, to print a whole bunch of CDs. Um, so we printed a whole bunch and I just been giving them out to people that I meet on my journey. Um, I'm not like, we didn't make it to make a profit or anything. If anything, I'm, I'm paying off the record still, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> But it's, it's worth it, man, because the stories that I get back from people that hear particular songs uh, that, you know, they can relate, they connect to uh, particular lyrics um, that just so resonate with their, 
their own hearts and their own pain and um, the encouragement of how Jesus comes and meets us in that. Uh, so in essence, man, it's a big journal entry musically. Awesome. It's really good, dude. And, and um, Ash, man, you're, you're now involved in this ministry in Frankston called Street Peace. So yeah, man, share how, how that got birthed and how you got involved in that. And, and uh, just, you know, digging a little, a little bit like Frankston, a little bit of a, I'm, you know, a lot of places these days are pretty rough. Um, but Frankston, yeah. uh, one of the rougher parts of, of that area. Yeah. I mean, it's got a reputation. We could put it like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I always love to acknowledge that, you know, even though a place seems rough and beat up and the demographic can be quite confronting, a lot of drugs, a lot of crime, a fair bit of poverty, but yet there's so much potential there for, for God to really move. And he already is. Uh, so I do see the beauty in Frankston. Um, unfortunately, they're just a lot of broken people. And I think that's rapid even in communities that seem like they have it all together. Yeah. Yeah. So in regards to the ministry that I'm a part of, uh, just before COVID, I think it was in 2018, uh, I was working for the Frankston Council as a youth worker because I became passionate about young people because I relate to them. Um, young people that are in a similar position that I was. So I went back and studied youth work and got into the field and I was working for the council and we were doing some stuff with the youth, but it was very minor. And unfortunately, not to disrespect anyone specifically, but I think a lot of the people that I was working with in the council, they were just there for money, really. They were just there for a paid paycheck and I was passionate, man. I wanted to see these kids get healthy, get whole. And I preach the gospel, man. It's it's unavoidable with me to not share about Jesus, especially with where he's taken me. Amen. And where he got me from. Um, it's not hard for me to share the gospel because people ask very particular questions. Um, anyway, I'm very I'm very overt with sharing. Um, I love him. Uh, unfortunately, I lost my job for it. Uh, so I got fired from the council because I was talking about Jesus too much. And at that time... That's a badge of honor, brother. Uh, I, I guess it can be. I, I guess in part <laughs> I was a bit offended too back then. I think I had a bit of pride and offense. So I guess, yes, it is an honor in that sense because my intentions were good. Yeah. Um but yet it teaches you to, it teaches you to get lower and it teaches you um, that it's not about us or, you know, I remember after, after that all took place, I was in a time of prayer and the Lord spoke to me walking into my driveway and he told me, he said, no one owes you anything. I was like, what? Not related to the job or anything, but it's just in general. He said, no one owes you a thing. Say like, what? And I realized that when I when I see Jesus on the cross, he was silent. He didn't carry an offense. He didn't look down and say, "You have no idea 
um, who I am or you're going to get it. He's like, Hey, father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. (laughs) They have no idea. Just forgive them, Lord. And I think it's really protected my heart over the years that, you know, if it's not about me anymore, it's, it's all about Jesus. My call is to love those in front of me, even if they do me wrong or even if they misunderstand. God truly understands and everyone's worthy of his love because he paid it all for them. So I'm losing my job there, but I am grateful for it because it did um, birth in a way um, a, a real passion for my friend that heard from God. His name's Jay. He's a good brother of mine. I, I praise God for him because he, I think you know Jay. Jay, Jay Schelling. Yeah, Jay Schelling. Yeah. Um, his obedience to the Lord is admirable and uh, he heard from the Lord to spend a month in the harvest in Frankston, had no idea what that looked like and the position that he was in, it was quite foolish to do so um, based on many different reasons, but yet he heard from God and he was obedient in it. And that's where I met him on the streets, started introducing him to some of the kids and yeah, time, time went on and Jay pioneered um, what's now known as Street Peace to birth the ministry to support these at-risk at youth that are disengaged from school within their families. There's a lot of trauma in families, kids that are involved in gangs or um, uh, kids that are getting up to no good, stealing, involved in crime, uh, it's great stuff, man. I, I watched, uh, because I met Jay at Jesus School, and I watched on YouTube during COVID what you guys were doing down there with, with the youth. Good stuff. Yeah. It's it's a joy to do it, man. I actually took a seat on the bench for a couple of years. When, so when Street Peace was birthed, um, yeah, I actually took a seat on the bench for probably two years. The Lord really pulled me back and... Uh, in short, that's where I met God as a father. I met God as a wonderful counselor who began to heal me of areas that I didn't even realize I needed healing in. Um, he began to reveal true rest and discipline. Um, so he really formed me in ways that fast forward after COVID, because this was before COVID was even a thing. Um yeah, we got given the opportunity to step back in and really ramp up Street Peace as a, uh, as a big ministry now to go and support other communities and, yeah, love the youth, man. So back in it now, got a beautiful team that without – it really is a – everyone brings something so unique to the table, mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters. So we, we have a lot of kids, a lot of young rugrats that uh, – that keep you on your toes. We love them, man. So not only do you guys go out and engage with kids like on an outreach and stuff, but you guys have a facility, right? You get to know them. Yeah. There's a place for them to hang out. Is that right? Still? Uh, our good friends, pastor Mark and Sue, they have a church called Frankston life and they have a, a little building in the heart of Frankston that they let us use every Wednesday night. So we get the kids to come through and, uh, we just play games, share stories, listen to them, have a big dinner, share stories of hope together, 
encouraging uh, one another in the in the day to day. But then um, outside of that, we might go on a, you know, the girls just came back from a surf camp up in Phillip Island or, you know, taking the boys out, mentoring them throughout the weeks. Uh, but Jay's got the social enterprise that is attached to Street Peace where he's got a landscaping business where he gets some of the young guys to come on board and give them the skills to not only be good at their job, but also the the work ethic of being on time, how to communicate, how to um, be presentable for the um, for your customers. And they're just empowering these young guys uh, in ways that go beyond just making them making a dollar, you know? So that's awesome. That's a, that's great. Yeah. It's great to empower, right? Like it's one thing to help, which is also cool too, but to empower people so that they can move forward and have hope in a future yeah. on their own, right? Without having to rely on people and, you know, absolutely, man. Absolutely. To give them what we've received freely, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great story, man. Thanks for chatting with us today, bro. Man, thanks so much for letting me just share. And, you know, yeah, I feel like I, I feel like it's a privilege. It's very humbling when, um, when people ask and then they listen, you know, I think it's, it's a humble thing to listen. So I really appreciate the opportunity to share. Um, and I pray that, that those that hear it would receive hope. That, that God is real and he loves us. And I sit here today as a, as a testimony to his peace and his joy. You know, people, people, some, my lecturer, I'm studying now, I'm studying a, a counseling major and my lecturer, she calls me smiley. <laughs> <laughs> because I smile all the time apparently. But if you met me when I was 19, man, I wasn't smiley. <laughs> but glory to god brother glory to god amen so friends um well one thing that you had mentioned is alpha so that alpha course really key if you're if you're new to faith introductory course to the gospel and jesus and just really really great program and you can just google that and find where you can you know hook up with that near where you live um if you want to follow ash he's on the gram Gabriel dot Schofield. Uh, you're on Facebook. Um, your music on Spotify. Is it on Apple as well? Yeah. 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 It should yeah. Be. Apple and Absolutely. Spotify. Um, Gabriel Schofield music and check that out. There's a bunch of singles. There's a few singles down there. We didn't hit on and stuff, but, uh, and then that album that we tapped into, um, and then just a lot of great stuff. Like, Another one here. You don't remember this either, eh, bro? I don't know. I got it. It's sparking the memories. <laughs> oh, it's ages ago, eh? This is me having fun, I think. It's good. Yeah, I gotta get back on the piano. Eh? I love piano, man. Yeah, you're you're really talented, bro. Talented as. Talented as. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I <laughs> Um, yeah, again, thanks for thanks for taking time to chat with us and uh, jumping back into the past and chatting with us here on a Monday <laughs> when you're in Tuesday. 
I love it, man. Appreciate it so much. But hey, one one more question for you. Uh, like you say, you just feel attached to the youth, man, and and connected with them, and looking for those that are going through, um, you know, living what what you've lived, and you're wanting to share hope with them. So. Just for a final question, man, you get chatting with somebody on the street and you know how sometimes you, you want to talk to somebody and they, they actually, they don't want to talk and they seem closed, but a part of you tells you that, okay, you're not going to get into a conversation, but they are still listening to what you're saying, even though they're not Mm going to react. What, what would you say when you are just going to leave them with a seed, if you will, and then move on because you know it's not going anywhere, but you just want to drop something on them. What do you say, dude? Yeah, I think it's a really good question, man. I think that, you know, words are powerful, but I think your eyes speak, your your body language speaks, the way that you posture yourself towards somebody um, is, is, is also so important. So I think when when you are so sincere in looking someone in the eyes and caring for them and you're moved with a sincere compassion towards them, the simplest of um, Jesus, the, the phrase of Jesus loving them is, is, oh, it's powerful, man, of course. I think if you're living in a particular community and you see people regularly, I think the simplest of smiles and recognizing people, getting to know their names and remembering their names, it really does show people that you do care for them. Um, So I think go with your heart that, you know, people use the phrase of good old Bible bash, but we do truly carry um, the answer that people are longing for. So I think in the simplicity of Jesus loving them is so powerful when you mean it. That's awesome. Thank you, man. Yeah. That's so true. But the listening, to their, listening to their stories too, man, asking questions. Jesus was the best at asking questions. When you give someone your time and attention like you've given me today, just hearing my story, maybe it's as simple as asking somebody their story you know I don't I don't know well thanks a lot brother appreciate you man hey it's uh, been good to reconnect with you bro I'd love to uh, keep touching base over the next few months and stay in touch maybe I can interview you next time <laughs> for sure man and Let's hopefully uh, hopefully we get to come down there and see you again soon Yeah, please come and visit. Come and stay with us for some time. That'd be awesome. Take care, bro. Love you, dude.